Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. We are going to dive right into the message this weekend because I believe God has a word for you today. And we're continuing our Together series. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be covering a lot of scripture today, but some of it, a lot of it's found in Ephesians. So turn there if you want to follow along. And the title of my message, if you know me at all, you may not, and this may surprise you. But if you know me, this will not surprise you. The title of my message comes from my deep rooted love and passion for all things 80s and 90s, okay? So if you join me in that love, you will understand this message title, and it is this. Don't disconnection. If you don't get it, you're probably born after 1995, but don't disconnection. That was one of our big phrases back then. And it may be a cheesy title for you, but I believe God has something powerful for every single one of us today. I believe that he wants to speak to areas of disconnection in our lives, and he wants to deepen the work that he's already started throughout this series. And he wants to come and challenge the areas in your life where you and I may be disconnected. When I look back at probably, when I look at the whole of my life and I look back at the seasons that were the most tough the most challenging, the darkest seasons of my life, I see the areas and the times where I was most disconnected. And I remember one of those seasons when I was a young mom. And if you looked at me from the outside, you would think she's fully connected. I mean, I was having babies. I mean, I couldn't even go to the bathroom by myself. People were following me everywhere. I, ha- I served at church every week. I, I had Twitter followers and Facebook friends. I seemed connected but I was completely disconnected, not from God, but from people on the inside. And in that season, as God began to kind of walk me through that, I remember just thinking, gosh, would, God, I know this isn't how you've designed me to live. I feel the isolation. I feel the loneliness on the inside. I'm in that crowded room and still kind of feeling like an outsider. Maybe you've been there. And what I didn't understand in that moment and what the Lord began to teach me was that everything I was asking him to do in my life, everything I was praying for, everything that I I knew I wanted him to do the work was found on the other side of connection with people. And as he walked me through that journey, I remember coming out of it and just seeing the light and starting to feel connected to people again. And I was journaling in some of my quiet time and I remember just drawing this picture of a vine, and I'm no artist, but it was this intricate picture of all these branches connected to this vine, and then I just drew this one lonely branch off to the side. And I remember as I looked at that and I sat there, he spoke to my heart and he said, that's where you were. Positionally in Jesus, I was fully connected. I was God's child, I was in his family, but the awareness and the way that I was living with God's family and with his people was in complete and total disconnection. And I was missing out on God's plan for my life. And the, the, what he walked me through in that season and what he showed me, I, I can't ever unlearn. And I believe so wholeheartedly, and I know this is what he wants to really show each one of us today, is that God's plan A for your life involves people. It involves connection to people. And like I said, we've all been there. And why do we disconnect, right? 
we, we look at the areas of our lives and we do find disconnection. We do see the places where we've disconnected and it's hurt and it's pain and it's the things that we've gone through. But that doesn't change the reality that God's plan for us from the very beginning was connection with people. If you look at Genesis chapter 2 all the way back to the garden, we'll begin to lay a scriptural groundwork for what he really has for us. We're at creation and this is what God says in 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. God's creating everything with his words. And as each thing is created, he says, this is good. And this is good. And this is good. And then he creates his most prized creation, man. And he looks and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. And he's talking more than just marriage. You can live your life single, but you cannot live your life in disconnection and isolation. God has hardwired us from the beginning to need people. This is his plan, and this is his purpose. And psychology is just now catching up to scripture. And it tells us that the most basic human need that you and I have is attachment. They're figuring out what God knew from the very beginning, that you and I were made for connection. And it's not just with God. Because you see, as when God said this, the reality was that Adam had never sinned yet. He was in complete and total perfect union with God in that, time, in that moment. There was no sin in the world. He wasn't separated. He had connection. He had intimacy with God. And yet God still said, it's not enough. Because you and I are hardwired for connection with other people. So if that's how we're designed, if that was his intent all along, really, why is it that we disconnect? And like we said, it's because of people, right? We disconnect from people because of people. Because we've seen a broken picture. So often it dates all the way back to our very first family. I've got my brother in the service today, and we could probably all attest to the fact, most of us, that our parents did the best they could, right? Would you say? Most people are doing the best they can raising their kids. But still... We, we get messed up in our connection, in our picture. I, I know Brad and I, I would say we're pretty good parents. Like, we try. We read books, we, and our kids are awesome. I love them. I'm proud of them. The jury's still out. I mean, they're not adults yet, but so far, so good. So far, so good. And we try. But even still, my, my middle son, Tyler, when he was two weeks old, I take him to Albertsons, I put his little bucket seat in the cart and get my groceries, I go through the line, I take my bag, I get all the way to my car and I hear this voice yelling behind me, ma'am, you forgot your baby. <laughs> like, he's two weeks old and I'm leaving him in Albertsons to figure it out. <laughs> that same child, a couple years later, we're late for preschool and I'm trying to get him going. I run over his foot with my car. Like, I, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just trying the best I can, just trying. Our youngest son, a couple of years ago, he was six years old, and we were on vacation with some friends in another country. And we thought, this will be fun. We'll take all the kids to the movies. So we pile in a couple cars, and everybody's like, everybody here? Yeah, we're all here. It's great. We drive 20 minutes to the movie theater, and the phone rings, and there's Jackson, six-year-old Jackson in another country, in a house, home alone. And he's like finding a phone somewhere, hacking into the password, like making a long distance international call to tell us we left him. 
Like, this is, I'm, we're doing the best we can, like I said. I mean, we are still saving money for their therapy later, but we are doing the best we can. We disconnect because of what happens in our lives. And trust me, you might be sitting there thinking, you don't know my family, you don't know what I've walked through, and that's right, I may not. But I know, and I've heard, and I've sat, the stories of abuse and, and the things that happened to you when you were young that no one should encounter. Or maybe, or maybe the pain that the church has caused you or leadership has caused you and you just don't know how to get past it or the rejection from an ex-wife or an ex-husband and you just find yourself with no other option because you don't know how to trust people, you don't know how to connect anymore because it hurts too much. And you have every right to disconnect. You have every right to just, yeah, I'm, I tried that. It's not for me. But if you do you will miss out on God's plan A for your life. Because here's the truth. That's how he wired it, and that is his truth, and it doesn't change based on our experience. Yikes, that's a whole nother message. But your theology doesn't change. If it does based on your experience, you've got bad theology. His truth and his plan for your life is always tied in connection with other people because that's how he planned it from the beginning. And that's why we're going to such great lengths through this series and, and, and really drilling down deep because we need to get better at it. Like, we need to learn how to do this. We don't know why we do it, and we don't know how to do it because we've seen it broken so much in our lives. So that's why in our life groups, we're setting up this life process. Would it be easier just for everybody to do a Bible study and show up and talk about Scripture and never actually live out the Scripture that we read? It might be. We need study, we need the word, but we also need to walk out the scripture that we read and that can only happen when we are in connection and community the way that God designed it. We're called to live in it, we're called to model it, and we're called to do better. We really are. So we're gonna walk through some scriptures, see God's heart for it, and I wanna challenge you in any areas of disconnection, if you're sensing that and you know already, yeah, that's a little bit of me, you're talking about me, I want you to lean in today. Because I know God has something for you. Ephesians 4.25, listen to this. In Christ's body, we are all connected together. 2 Corinthians 8.5, for they first, talking about this, the early church, they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then, by God's will, they gave themselves to us too. God's design for us from the very beginning is for you and I to live in connection with his people. That's his design. And throughout scripture, because I think so often our, our picture of family can be so broken, God gives us other pictures for us to see it. He gives us several pictures, and we're going to look at three today through scripture of how God shows us what connection in his family is supposed to look like. And as we go through each picture, I want you to see three things that come when we live in connection, when we choose to live in connection. And the first thing that happens when we choose to live in connection is that connection brings healing. And the picture that I think is the most profound picture probably of them all that we hear most often is this picture that God gives us of his body. He gives us a picture that you and I as believers are the body of Christ on earth. Romans 12, 4 to 5 says this, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Each one of us is a member of his body and 
as we read, we have a function or we have a supply to give. Part of being connected to his body is to show up to receive and show up to give your supply. We're connected in his body. Colossians 2.19 says this, they, speaking of people who had disconnected, are not connected to Christ, who's the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. God's design for healing in our lives often comes through people. And it's brilliant if you think about this, because think about where most of the pain in your life has come from. The emotional pain in your life and the hurt. People, right? Like, your dog, probably not, but people. (laughs) People are much of the hurt that we've had in our lives, and I think it's brilliant that God chooses people to be the vehicle where we receive healing. That's his picture for us. Think about the human body. This is his design, and you can see it. When he calls us the body of Christ, think about how the human body works when healing is needed. And I believe in miracles. I want you to hear my heart. I've prayed for miracles. I've seen God do miracles of healing in people's lives that you can never tell me otherwise. I know God does miracles, but I want you to hear this. Miracles of healing are not God's plan A for our lives. How do I know this? Think about how he designed the body. When sickness and disease comes, God's original design is that the body, the immune system in the body, right, all the white cell, blood cells and all the nutrients would come and send healing to the affected and diseased part of the body. Is that correct? That's his original design. And when that doesn't happen, yes, we need a miracle. We need God to step in. It is the very same way when we think of the hurt and the pain that we experience in our soul and in his body. His design is that every member, every cell would come together when there is hurt and there is pain in someone's life that we would come together as the body and bring healing to those areas and those people. Your healing is found in connection with God's family and in his body. And it's, it's, it's such a crazy picture because when you read scripture, the Bible shows us there's 59 scriptures, 59, that we call the one another's. These are what I think are the immune system in the body of Christ. There's bear each other's burdens. It goes, Jesus talks about them all through the New Testament. We hear the one another's. And these are the ways that you and I are to really be and live in relation with other people. And I imagine Jesus, as he's laying out this plan for us, that this is his path for people to receive healing. When we need someone to carry our burden, there would be a one another to carry our burden. This is his picture, that we'd come together and bring healing and experience healing in our lives. And psychology, like I said, is finally catching up with God's word. And psychologists will tell you there are relational needs, basic human relational needs that we all need. You need, whether you'd like to admit it or not, that I need, whether I'd like to admit it or not. I cannot get them by myself. I have to get them in relationship. And how perfect that God set it up thousands of years ago that we would be that for each other. Listen, one of the needs they say that we need is acceptance. Romans 5.17, therefore accept one another just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. Comfort, another need, a basic relational need. We need to learn how to comfort each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore comfort one another and edify one another just as Christ, just as you also are doing. 
be at peace with one another, encourage one another. These, these are not just things that happen. We don't just always have to slap a scripture on it. We have to live it out in relationship. And that may not be what you've seen. That may not be the picture of church that you've experienced, but you and I are called to change that. This community right here is called to step into something new and say, I don't know how to do it. I've got to do it. That's why we're doing it in life groups. It might feel awkward. It might feel clunky to say, I actually need something. Could you give me a little comfort? That feels weird. It feels unnatural. But it's how God designed us to walk it out. It's how he designed us to experience his healing. And the narrative will never change. And the experience for people will not change. And more pain and more hurt will be perpetuated if you and I don't step in and do something different. We have to step into what he's called us to be. And we are called to bring healing and receive healing in the body of Christ. That is his plan A. The second picture that he gives us, we've talked about it already, is the picture of a vine and branches. And I believe that connection, point number two, brings growth in our lives. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you, speaking to all of his disciples and to everyone that would believe on Jesus through them, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. We won't bear fruit, we won't grow apart from him, and we can't be connected to him without being connected to his people. This is the picture. You've never seen a vine just growing out of the ground, one vine with a cluster of grapes on it. It doesn't happen like that. It's an intricate webbing of branches that come together, and that is where the fruit comes. And it would be super awesome, I'd just like to say, if that's not how he designed it to be. Because if I was writing the scripture and it was my plan, this is how I would do it. It would be more like a caterpillar and a butterfly. Like, so I would just take my caterpillar self with all my issues and Jesus and I would go into a cocoon and he would fix me all up and no one would have to know. And then I would just like emerge this beautiful, perfect, total together butterfly. But that is not the picture that he gave us. It's a vine connected to branches. And I don't know if you've ever just seen one little lonely grape. It doesn't happen like that. It's a cluster and it's messy and it gets smushed together and things aren't always pretty and perfect, but that is how he designed us to grow when we were living in connection. Colossians 3.12 says this, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, that's with people, kindness with people, humility, with people, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgive you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And that per word perfection right there is the word maturity. We will never grow to the level of maturity that he's called us to grow unless we're walking in this kind of love. And we can't walk in this kind of love unless we're walking with people. Think about the fruits of the Spirit. We, want, we all want to develop the fruits of the Spirit and be like Jesus, right? But think about them. They don't come without people. Like patience. If I didn't have people, I would never need patience. Kindness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things happen when I feel like I want to punch someone and I don't. That's self-control. Like this is how we walk it out. And we develop fruit and we grow is when we come together and live in the connection that God has called us to live in. This is how it happens. And this is, it begins when, when you and I understand that we have a supply that we bring. We belong and we have a supply. 
And we are part of that intricate system where we deliver the fuel and the strength that others need. Because you may have a rainy season. You may have a storm. You may have a drought. Your, your leaves might start to wither. But if you're connected to the vine, guess what will happen? Nutrients will come. And they'll bring you fuel. And they'll bring you life. And they'll bring you what you need when you stay connected the way God designed you to do. And it starts when we show up in honesty, really. This last summer, I spent some time doing this and living this out in a group setting. And it, it was uncomfortable, I'm not going to lie. I sat in a room with believers and we, we showed up honestly. And we talked about the areas that we needed to grow. And I remember sitting in this circle in this room and all of us were there. And it was men and women and this man began to share. And he, by all intents and purposes, was crushing life. He had reached the highest level of success that you can reach in the business world. His family was amazing. He'd been married for decades. He had beautiful, he just had everything that you, financially, he had it all. And yet he sat there and honestly showed up and began to tell us some of the storms he was battling. And they weren't pretty. And I remember after he started to share, it was this look of fear and panic that crossed his face. And he's like, what have I just done? What have I said? I think I've said too much. And the facilitator that was leading the group, she said, what are you thinking right now? And he said, I, I kind of just want to know what everyone thinks of me. Because <laughs> I've just put myself out there and I, I feel like they're probably judging me. Especially because we're all, you know, believers and there's some pastors in the room. And she said, well, Noelle's a pastor. Why don't you ask her what she thinks? And he looked at me and he said, Noelle, what do you think of me? And in that moment, I was able to look him in the eyes and tell him, I know that feeling of shame, my friend. I know that feeling of regret. I know that feeling of brokenness. And I got to tell you, there's so much more for you. And I love you. And I accept you exactly where you are. But here's the grace. And it's truth. And we can grow from this. You can grow from this. I know you can. And the look in his eyes and tears filled up because he was accepted. He was given the truth. And he would begin to grow. And there are cycles in your life and things that you're just wishing, God, would you just come and take this away from me? But until you honestly show up and stay connected to the vine, there is growth that you will not see because it only happens in connection. And God's plan for your life, plan A, is for you to be in connection with people and see growth. And the third picture that he gives us in Scripture this is a powerful picture. It's the picture of a temple. He calls us a temple. And what happens in connection in this picture is connection brings power. And for thousands of years leading up to the time of Jesus, they understood this definition of the temple. They understood this picture because that's how they experienced God. When they wanted to go to God's presence, they didn't just go to their room or pray. They had to go to the temple because that's where God's presence was. And it was in a small space in the center of the temple. And only certain people could access it at certain times. And this is how they encountered the power and the presence of God. But all of that changed when Jesus hit the scene. John chapter 2, at the very beginning, Jesus starts declaring what's going to happen. Verse 19, all right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. 
They're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? This temple? Matthew 27, verse 50, Jesus is hanging on the cross, dying. Verse 50, Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And this picture was, wasn't just happenstance or something crazy that happened because Jesus died. It was a picture that everything was changing. And our access to the power and the presence of God wasn't going to be the way it had been for all those years. And Jesus had predicted this. He told them all throughout John, he said, I'm leaving and my Holy Spirit is coming and he will be in you. He'll be in you. Everything's going to change. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you realize that all of you together, say together, are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. From that moment on as the church began to evolve and grow what happened the bible says that they met in the temple they'd come to the temple but guess what now that's not the only place they could experience god's presence they also went from house to house and for the first time around a table they could look another person in the face and know that god's presence was there and his power was there and i wonder if their lives and their families began to experience change that they'd never seen because suddenly they had a full measure and full access to the power and the presence of God. And they understood something that we often miss, but that when we, all of us together come, there is collective presence and power that we don't have on our own. Jesus told us this. He said, when two or three of you come together in my name, I'll be there. I'll be there. Not I might be there, I maybe will show up. His presence and his power is available to us every time we come together in honest and real connection with other believers. And that, my friends, is how you're going to access greater measures of power in your marriage, greater measures of power in your career, greater measures of power in God's purpose for your life. Because some of you are praying and saying, God, what do I do with my life? What do you want me to do? I'm missing out. I know there's more. And I'm telling you, your purpose will always be tied to people every single time. Every single time. And that is how the gospel, it's good. The gospel was able to go throughout the earth. Why? Because they came together knowing that that's where the power was. Knowing that that is where the juice is. Your, your purpose will always be tied to people. Jesus told us this in John 17. He says this, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but for also all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will not know that you will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Listen to me, if you hear nothing else, I want you to hear this. There are people who will connect to God because you connect to others. There are people who will experience a connection with God for the first time and see that Jesus may not be what they thought he was. He may not be absent. He may, God may be real because you connect to others. Let me say it another way. There are people who may never know a connection with God until you know a connection with others. That's what Jesus said. When they come together 
and the type of connection as the temple with the power, the people and the world will see things they've never seen before. They'll see Jesus in a new light because you have a connection to other people. That's powerful. And that will change your life. And not only will it change your life, that will change our community. That will change the world we live in. There are people waiting and aching and wondering what is going on in this world. And you and I have the answer and we have the power collectively. What would our communities look like? Think about it. Vintempe in Scottsdale. You and I decided as a church body that we would not settle for a cheap version, as Pastor Preston said, of lobby love relationships that are an inch deep and a mile wide and just how are you doing but we showed up in honesty we showed up to bring our supply we showed up to change the narrative what would it look like like I'm telling you we would not see what we see right now and you and I have the opportunity to step out and begin to bring that not only to this church but the church at large to change the way it has done so that the world might see and the world might know you know, last week we launched our life groups, and this story came out of week one, which like fired me up more than anything because I know it's just the beginning of what God wants to do. But we had a couple, they're life group leaders, and um, they're an amazing powerhouse couple, like served in ministry, have known each other, they've been married forever, and they've just done a lot. In fact, God, they're just one of those people that they just say yes to Jesus every single time. And, and they've experienced some hard times. In fact, God decided and they've said yes to the process of fostering. So they have four kids that they've adopted through fostering. And their, their seasons have had highs and they've had some big lows. And I remember sitting down with the wife uh, at the end of last year. And she was just, she really opened up and she started to tell me some of the things they had walked through. And they were hard. And she had every reason not to trust leaders again, not to trust people in God's family. She had had some big disappointments and some big hurts. And I sat there and I was kind of like, whoa, that's a lot. And I just sat across from her and I felt like the Lord really showed up in that conversation. We're sitting at Flower Child, just right down the road. And I won't forget it. I, I said, listen, I don't blame you for where you're at. I know it's hard. You've, you've walked through some hard things. But I really believe that part of the healing that you need and part of the things you're praying for is going to be found in connection with other people. I believe that God wants to send healing in your life and I know it's going to happen through relationship and I know that sounds hard because you have every reason not to trust but I honestly want to tell you that God's plan A for you is relationship with others and that's where you're going to find your healing and she agreed and so they began to walk out what that looked like in their life and when it came to leading a life group they said yes they're leading life group and they're showing up and they're walking this out in their life as as challenging and as hard for them to trust again and so last week night one of the life group a couple hours before their house was going to be filled with people okay they get a phone call from the dcs office and they said, hey, we've got a two-day-old infant for you. He's got a messy situation. Will you take this baby into your home? And they knew immediately, yes. They said, yes. 
so they called up another member that was coming over for the life group and they're like hey uh we're gonna be going to pick up a baby right now so and the guy on the other line end of the line said well what does this mean for life group like surely you're not having life group right still we probably need to cancel and he's like no 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 our, our home's open. Just come on in. We've got a brisket in the oven. We're just going to go pick up our baby. So, and I'm like, are you people trying to win some sort of life group leader award? Because you're doing really good. Uh, oh, they went, they left, went to pick up their baby. They said, we'll be back just a couple minutes before it starts. They walk in the door and their house is filled with people. They walk in, there's somebody cooking the brisket and slicing it up in their kitchen. There's people sitting around the table talking. The kids are outside playing in the yard. And as they're walking in with this two-day-old baby, as they said yes to a new season, that they don't really know what it's going to entail. They know it's not going to be easy. They saw around their house that every family had brought formula, diapers, showed up with baby supplies and baby clothes. They were celebrating with them and showing up for them. And it wasn't just practical needs being met in that moment. Something supernatural was taking place. And God was beginning to heal the wounds that they had experienced in relationship. And at the end of the night, these words came out of her mouth. This will go down in history as one of the most healing days of my life. And that, my friends is what God is calling us to live out. He's calling us to show up, to be a member, and to bring our supply. That level of connection will bring healing to your life. That level of connection will bring growth in the areas that you just keep thinking, gosh, I can't, if I just, I just can't get past this. Yeah, you need to step into greater levels of connection. You have some things you need to bring into the light. The power that you're hoping for and praying for, God has a greater measure of power for your life on the other side of connection. But it's a choice. Like I said, you may have every right to shut down, to never trust someone again, to cut yourself off from that. But do you realize that we are more connected and we have more potential for connection than ever in history? And yet loneliness and isolation are at epidemic levels. Epidemic levels. Studies are showing that, that loneliness and isolation are the cause for mental illness. They're the cause even for death in some cases. One study just came out that loneliness kills more people than obesity does. Living in connection is a choice that you and I have to make. And you can shut down, and you can cut yourself off from it, and you can just have pseudo-connection and just get by with all the schmoozing and the rubbing elbows. But until you step into the connection that God has called you to, you are missing out on his plan A for your life. We have to choose it. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians, and I'm coming in for a close. Chapter 6, verse 11, he's talking to the Corinthian church, and it's almost like he's imploring them. But listen to this. We have spoken to you who are in the city of Corinth with plain words. Our hearts are wide open. Our hearts are not closed to you, but you have closed your hearts to us. I'm speaking to you now as if you were my own children. Open your hearts wide to us. Living in this kind of connection is a choice, and I'm not saying it's an easy one, but it is God's plan A for your life. It is his plan for this church. 
It is his plan for his body that we would come together and step into greater levels of connection in our lives. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.